Hey, you're listening to the DMB podcast where we share business confidence for designers. Uh, you're listening to another business design jam, which is a type of episode where we take business news or business a business concept and talk about its relevancy for design community and our work as designers. As almost always, I'm joined by Franz, uh, program director at the DMBA. Hi, and uh, hey, Franz. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and today we'll talk about the latest news on the currency markets. Very exciting. Um, so the euro dollar parity, which means that now one euro is worth one, uh, dollar. Franz, do you remember where, uh, you heard about it? About the news? I think it was on every news. So it's not only niche and business news. I think that was like headline stuff. So I think it's Austrian public media. <laughs> the funny thing is I heard about I heard about it from the news in the evening, but in the morning friends started sending this news like in separate group chats. Oh, ah, did yeah, you see same this? Ah, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> like it I was surprised how sometimes the economics um news actually circle even like in these groups of friends that are usually not in this topic. And obviously, like when your currency does something big, like lose a lot of value, like 20%, then everybody starts talking about it. So yeah, today we'll talk about euro and dollar a lot, but the same, whatever we talk about, <clears throat> sorry, whatever we talk about today can be also applied to other currencies. Mm. But yeah, before we fully jump into this episode, um, I'll just say that what we'll do today is unpack a business concept and see how it's relevant for the work of designers. And if you would like to learn more such business concepts, um, you should join our seven-day mini MBA, which is a free seven-day email course where over seven days you receive seven emails. And in each of these emails, you learn about a business concept and how it's relevant for our work. So to subscribe to this, head over to d.mba slash mini minus mba so d.mba slash mini minus mba good so now to the big news um i think it was a week ago i believe july 12th the 13th like all of the big news outlets started talking about it oh euro is now worth one dollar so for those who don't know maybe who are not from uh either europe or us um, that's like a 20% drop from the usual uh, exchange between these two currencies. So usually euro is, or at least in the last 10 years, euro was worth somewhere around 1.2, maybe 1.1 um, dollars. So um, that's like a big 20% drop, you know. Um, I think it's the biggest drop in the last 20 years. Uh, and... The biggest, uh, the biggest difference was actually, I think, in 2008, where mm. euro was worth $1.6, something like that. And that was because yeah. of the financial crisis uh, that started in the, in the US and then obviously spilled over all over the world and then it kind of balanced out. Um, mm. So, yeah, so... Um, Let's talk about why this even happens. You know, why do currencies fluctuate? Um, and there's a few reasons that go into this. 
So for example, one is inflation. Um, so let's say that one currency would experience a big inflation and the other one would not. And obviously you would see the one with inflation um, losing value, you know, because it's being devalued because too much money is being printed out. So in case US would not be printing money, but Euro, so European Central Bank would be printing money, then this drop would make sense. But in our case, both are experiencing inflation, so that's probably not the reason why this is happening, right? Yeah. Then we have the next uh, um, usual suspect, which is interest rates. So interest rates are basically the cost of money, how much it costs you to borrow money, right? Mm. Interest rates from central banks, right? Exactly, from central banks, which is then spilled over to all the commercial banks that human beings deal with, (laughs) (laughs) that we citizens Mm. deal with, right? Because what central banks do is they loan money to banks, then then these banks, the commercial banks, retail banks, um, um, loan it forward to to us. Um, yeah, so interest rates is another way that you can see the that affects the price of the currency. So in this case, again, if we look at the last, let's say, three, four years, the ECB, which is European Central Bank, had a very similar policy when it comes to interest 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 rates as a which Fed did, zero. which is zero or even <laughs> negative, right? Yeah. So banks had to find ways to get rid of the money. <laughs> so <laughs> money was free, basically. Uh, and by the way, this is also why many banks um, introduced the negative interest rate. So you had to pay to have money on your bank. Um, so yeah, up until like a year ago, the policy of US and EU was basically the same when it comes to interest rates. But lately there was a big change or at least like deviation because Fed has started to fight inflation much stronger. You know, they've been sending message to the market that they will raise it seven, eight times over the course of the next few months. While ECB, so European Central Bank, hasn't done that yet. Uh, Actually, I think they've done it this week. Uh, Or at least they're not doing it as aggressively. Which is a sign to investors and to companies that US is doing more to fight inflation, which could be a reason for this change, for this like, uh, yeah, change in the value between these two uh, currencies. Yeah. I mean, in general, you were now mentioning interest rates and inflation, right? In general, I think if we go even a step back, then we can say that the value of a currency is um, determined by its supply and demand. So correct. the more supply you have, the lower value, the higher demand or the less supply you have, you the higher the value. It's basically this common economic principle. And when you take these two things, inflation, so let's say you have high inflation um, and you have things are important, uh, things are expensive for people to buy. Um This may lead to lower currency demand, which means a depreciation of a currency. Correct. So when you think about interest rates, so if you have higher interest rates, um, this means that 
holding a currency will give you the possibility for currency gains. Some people might want to hold this currency, so they would rather hold the currency with higher interest rates. And at the same time, borrowing money gets more expensive. So again, there is less money borrowed, which leads to less money in the market, which again creates um, higher um, value for this one currency. So all of these factors come back to supply and demand again. And that kind of also explains why usually the biggest and the strongest economies have the biggest and strongest currencies because most other countries also need to do business there and that means more demand for that particular currency. And for example, also US dollar is still predominant, if not only, or like let's say predominant way to buy oil, which is something that every economy in the world needs. Every company is affected by the price of oil. And by being basically having a monopoly and being sold, so, so oil being sold in dollars just makes dollar have a very stable uh, price. Um, so what you're talking about is also another, um, is related to another factor that goes into the currency or the price of the currency, which is the balance of trade. So mm. basically countries, economies with different currencies are doing trade among themselves so i don't know one country needs more oil another one needs gas and then this is being sold across border and if you need to sell in a certain currency that raises its price so if that changes i don't know if all of a sudden um people in europe would stop buying a lot of products from the us that would have an effect obviously on the strength of the dollar um and vice versa yeah so that's another thing Mm. and another one is political stability and that's i think also what's causing this not fully but like combination of the fact that ecb so european central bank is less aggressive with raising interest rates and the political instability so namely this is the war between russia and ukraine is affecting the perception of the strength of the european market a lot of other countries or even companies that are that are based outside of so with headquarters outside of europe but doing business in europe they're thinking to themselves oh this is definitely affect our business over the next few months or even years so what they are maybe doing is you know selling their euros buying dollars just to hedge and hedge means basically uh insuring uh their money in a way so in a way it's confidence in this market you know do you believe that euro uh, economic uh, area will do well or is it are are there dark times ahead of it and it does seem that it's very very tricky at the moment especially this winter will be very tricky because europe depends a lot on the the russian gas to to run its companies uh, like factories i mean you know a lot of factories are using gas to run their production and also there are people who are warming up their apartments and their houses with gas so it does affect everybody so um i think it's a combination of these factors that has led a lot of companies to and individuals to just think hmm i don't know maybe somebody's holding hundred thousand euros in their bank account like a company is and they rather switch this into dollars and if a lot of companies start doing this, then it just start affecting the price on the market. Yeah. 
And from these, like, if you list out all these factors of um, that we just discussed, the two ones that are mentioned most in articles is definitely the soaring inflation that is just really high in Europe at the moment with high energy or basically chasing high energy prices followed by the Russian attack on Ukraine. And then as we, as you already said, this, this, um, the tool that banks or central banks usually take to lower inflation, which is um, adjusting interest rates, or in this case, raising interest rates, was just already much earlier taken by the, by the Fed in the US um, and is also more aggressively done by the Fed in the US. But the interesting thing is that Europe or the ECB is actually in this weird situation where you would actually at the same time would want to um, raise the interest rates and lower the interest rates. Yeah. So this is again a concept is, or a, a dilemma that, that um, the eurozone in general is in because usually what you want to do with high inflation is you want to raise the interest rates so that there is less money being spent so that prices actually go down again. But at the same time, if you have a difficult economic situation, you want to have more money being spent. You're, so what you actually do is you lower the interest rate. So you have more yeah. money being spent uh, and you boost the economy. And at the moment, Europe is in this situation where you have at the same time very high inflation and at the other side, pretty grim economic outlook with um, the situations um, of Russia on Ukraine. So you would actually want to pump money into um, into the economy and it's hardly possible to do both at the same yeah. time. Mm. Yeah, you're right, because how EU or any other country probably would react to a war is lowering interest rates because it helps stimulate the economy. And now you're in this position like of which side should I choose? And that's why it's in this catch-22 situation where it's tricky what to do, right? I mean, it's easy to comment now from yeah. far, but it's not an easy situation. Even though most of the critics yeah. just say, hey, raise the interest rates and that's it. Um, yeah, we've seen we've seen other stories uh, elsewhere. So it's not an easy situation, but it is what it is. So 20% drop in the euro against dollar. I would just like to mention also that dollar has been gaining its value against other major currencies too. So there's this thing called, I think, dollar index, which basically measures the strength of dollar against other major currencies. And uh, it's also been up more than 10% in the last year. So this means that dollar has been gaining strength against other currencies, not just euro. Um, so <laughs> yeah, who is this good for? And who is this bad for, you know? Or in other words, why should I even care, Alan or Franz? You know, I earn my money in dollars or I earn my money in euro. I spend my money in euro, yeah. so in the same currency. <laughs> what so it must be good for somebody and must be bad for another person, right? Or another company or another country. So that's where we're going to, right? So in the yeah. end, we need to say that countries are not... Um, countries are connected right we have international trade and that's exactly where this um movement comes in so 
if every country if every country would be doing their business within their country we would have 100% of supply of all our cars 100% of supply of all our food 100% of supply of all our machinery and everything we wouldn't really care about these fluctuation unless we would travel to another country right so let's say everything is is um everything is produced everything that i need everything that a country needs is produced in Austria, which is very unlikely because it's so small, but let's say it like this, then the only problem that I would have is if I would be traveling somewhere else, um, then it would hit me, right? In this case, actually, um, what would it do for me if the euro is uh, in a lower value than in the um, than, um, the dollar, then it would be more expensive for me to travel than it was before. Before it was easier for me to buy something abroad because euro would be more worth um, and now it's worse for me to travel there and obviously vice versa if us people travel over then for them it's now cheaper to buy stuff over here um, than um, it was before that's the so, easiest concept to get i think for most people yeah. like think about yourself as a tourist and is it good for you or bad um, so if you're us if you're working in the us then it just got 10% cheaper uh, to travel in most other uh, <laughs> countries or even more. Uh, well, obviously we need to adjust this for inflation, but you know, you, you get the point. So, and we can do the same with companies, right? Think yeah. not from the tourist perspective or from the company perspective. I mean, that's the thing because the scenario that I described is exactly the opposite, right? Mm, countries are interconnected. So we have huge exports, huge um, imports, and globalization just means that we um, divided what countries are doing. So there are huge export um, industries in all, um, let's say, all around the world. So yeah. now when we talk about um, the EU and the US again, so if we talk about the biggest um, import categories, so US importing from the EU, that's pharmaceuticals, machinery, and motor vehicles. So these are the biggest industries. So for example, pharmaceuticals like um, in Europe, this would be Bayer. In, in the US, it would be Pfizer or um, let's say Tesla, the car companies, right? Or BMW. Mm. So in this case, um, let's say you are a company in the US and um, now you have this change in the valuation. And what immediately happens is that imported products will get cheaper. US companies and the consumers are better off basically buying imported goods than buying the ones domestically because if you have the currency factored in, this means that if the dollar can buy more, you are better off buying imported stuff. Maybe just to give an example, so let's say that you are a car manufacturer. I don't know, let's say... Audi or Volkswagen, whatever. So a German-based car manufacturer. And let's say that the average price of your car is 25,000 euros, you know? So two months ago, if you would ship this car across the ocean to the US, it would cost $30,000 there because one euro was worth 1.2. So again, disregard all the localizations of prices. Let's just say that you, you know, you just... Uh, uh, switch the, the currencies. So 25,000 is 30 
25,000 euros is $30,000. But now, after euro has dropped, you could actually, from the perspective of Volkswagen, make the same amount of money if you just sell the same 25,000 euro car for $25,000. So essentially, this car has been like reduced. So the price of this car has been reduced by 20%. So maybe that kind of explains uh, in numbers how this looks like. Yeah. Unless this company decides to raise the price. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, I mean, now we have discussed, like, let's focus on like US companies, right? U US companies are actually now, um, they do have problems now, right? So if you are a domestic company, then you will have problems because imported goods will be cheaper than they were before. And if you're now an US company that is export oriented, you will also have problems because EU companies will now even more look for cheaper domestic products because if they decide to import, it's automatically more expensive for them. Now we can talk about um, airspace products or parts like Boeing or chemicals is a huge um, export factor from the US to uh, the EU, for example. So now all of a sudden your prices rise for 20%. So if you're a bulk buyer, then you may be looking for a supplier who is working with a different um, currency. So you do not have this uh, 20% um, price increase. So mm. if you want to look at it like this, actually, while you might prefer a strong currency if you're a traveler, a weak currency is usually much better when it comes to economic benefits of an economy because of a weak currency. Yeah. Exactly. So usually the way companies or the way economies and com big companies grow is barely in their national markets. So usually how companies grow, international companies, conglomerates, they grow through exports. So if you have a weaker currency, this actually helps you. So You don't want to be the strong one in this case, actually, but a weaker yeah. currency would um, always helps you to sell cheaper abroad. And this is a huge um, growth factor. Actually, this is what growth drove in the last, I would even say decades. Mm. And this is actually why comp uh, um, companies, not companies, um, countries try not to let their currency increase in value too much because this would actually hurt them. Yeah. And I've heard this several times from various sources that actually the US prefers uh, the fact the dollar is worth less than euro just exactly for this reason, you know, because it helps you export your goods. Yeah. So in the end, now we, in the, on the one hand, we're in shock that our currency lost 20% of value. But on the other hand, And obviously this is bad because it's fueled by inflation and inflation is bad for a local economy. But at the yeah. same time, there is this leveling factor then, which actually, if economic rules work again and, uh, and, um, and basically show to work as they have worked in the past, it would actually help the economy by being able to export more. Mm -hmm. And just to build on this also, um, Microsoft, for example, they recently lowered their expectations for profit uh, because oh, wow. US became too strong and 50% of their business actually comes. So US dollar became strong, stronger and 50% of their income comes from abroad. Um, 
they had to lower because they're a public company. They had to announce that they're lowering expected revenue and profit. And that was already a big sign that things are changing, you know? Yeah. True. And the contrary story is I found somewhere that uh, the fact that buyer, so you talked about the buyer, right? The German producer mm -hmm. of aspirin and so on. Um, they have stated that 1% depreciation of euro. So for every percent that euro loses its value against uh, other currencies, in this case, dollar, they are, it's contributing to three, more than 300 million uh, in profit. Let me check. Uh, in sales. In okay. sales. 300 million in sales. Every percent. So in this case, 20%. That's a lot of billions already here. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And that kind of explains exactly, uh, backs up your point of companies are aware of this, the lower the domestic, the, the, the lower the strength of the domestic uh, currency, the higher the sales then are when you export elsewhere. Yeah. So problem is, let's say you need to import stuff for making your goods. And then you need to sell it domestically. Yeah. So now we're all talking about these huge companies who can, um, who, I don't know, can source, can decide where to source and they have an international business. But obviously you may find yourself in a, in a company where um, you basically need, let's say you're a European company, you basically need to import goods because that's the only way you can find them. And then your market is predominantly uh, domestic then you're pretty much in, um, yeah, then you're pretty much having situation. a problem. Yeah, yeah. So I think one part of the equation we have to always keep in mind when talking about um, the effects of the fluctuation in currency is you look at an entity such as company and you need to figure out where are they paying expenses and where are they selling. So you, you look at these two sides so on one side we have costs and on the other side we have revenue. So are my costs paid in euros, dollars, pesos, whatever? Uh, and what percentage of my costs are paid in these different currencies? And then what percentage of my revenue comes in different currencies? Because what we have now simplified a lot is saying, oh, all European companies have all the costs in euros. And when they're selling in dollars, uh, let's say 50%, that's just, you know, pure almost like profit if they keep the same prices. Um, in, in reality, as you pointed out, probably even on the cost side, you do have some or uh, a good portion also in other currencies. So it's not as easy to see if you've actually gained from this situation or not. Well, actually, this is pretty easy. But I mean, big companies have whole departments just dealing with currency risk. So they know what's happening and they try to hatch against this. They try to insure themselves. Uh, by buying certain contracts and so on. And in this way, they try to mitigate it. So uh, in, in many cases for these big companies, unless it comes for such a big change, like 20%, they have already ensured themselves that this is not going to affect them too much. But when it comes to 20% change, then usually they didn't really factor it in. And then it does affect companies, even even companies like Microsoft. Yeah. 
So to draw the line, you would say, who is it benefiting? Benefiting companies in more elsewhere than in the US, right? If we just generalize a little bit. If we generalize it for the company level, then uh, that's definitely the case. Having a lower valued um, currency will help the economy export cheaper and will um, help the economy and the companies of this um, of this economy. Mm. Another maybe entity that could benefit from this is uh, investors in EU companies. So if you are individual investor, even uh, institutional investor who was holding dollar uh, just in their bank account, um, a lot of European companies will become cheaper now if you buy them in euros. Uh, so you can buy some of these, some of these stocks at a discounted price. So that's another winner of this situation, let's say. Because probably for European companies and individuals buying stocks in dollars, it's going to get more expensive, you know. It mm-hmm. just is what it is. Yeah. Interesting point. Um, how does this situation affect the flow of money? Where does money go? Yeah. Where does it go? I mean, in general, if you have high inflation and lower value, then money doesn't go there, right? Yeah. So you don't want to be in a market where you have high inflation because you need more money to buy stuff and you don't want to have money in a currency that loses in value because um, as the name says, it loses in value. So um, that's again, this supply and demand um, rule that you would now rather as an investor be uh, holding US dollars rather than mm. um, euros. Yeah, yeah, true. If you're buying then back in euros, maybe you're exposing yourself back to this risk. It's a good point. Yeah, man, but we live in crazy times. This is like every month something new happens in the macroeconomic uh, sector and it's just shaking up the business world. It's really tricky. I mean, it's not cool to be a startup these days, I would say, who's not profitable because it's really investors have slimmed down their, uh, you know, backs and they're not as yeah. open, openly investing in all these capital intensive companies. So it's yeah. tricky, tricky times. This reminds me of a question that we got from a listener, Peter. And True. I, yeah. so basically what he asked was what is cheap money and what is expensive money? Mm-hmm. Um, and he came to this, I think, through reading an article from Sequoia. Yeah. So the and VC they were, Yeah, exactly. So they were talking about how money used to be free and now it's expensive. I think this is a nice cliffhanger for next week. Yeah. So <laughs> good point. Good point, Franz. So then next time, let's actually go deeper into cost of capital. We did touch a little bit upon what is cost of money. So next time, let's talk about about free money and what is expensive money and how it affects different companies, how mm-hmm. it affects startups, corporates, bootstrapped companies, and so on. Yeah. And then we'll answer um, Peter's question, which was actually, um, he thinks that corporates will benefit from this, but let's get into it next time. I'm just double-checking. Peter's name. Yeah, it's Peter. Okay, perfect. 
double so T, right? M- Peter. Yeah, exactly. Double T. Sorry, Peter. Peter <laughs> for <laughs> sorry, so <laughs> bringing you up. But um, okay, we got this right. So cool. Um, do we have anything else on the euro-dollar parity? I think that's pretty much it. I mean, there is barely anything that we can do about it, but I think it's still really important to a understand how in general currencies fluctuate usually don't really think about it because it's in like the one percentages and you really don't mind you may be happy when you go to the us or to europe and you have it a little bit cheaper and you might be not that happy if you have it a little bit more expensive but now with this 20 drop i think it's it's nice to first understand how this can happen and also understand how your company where your work might be mm. impacted by this so will this be now partly harder because we are sourcing in a certain currency will this now partly be easier because we are selling in another currency so just being aware of how something that we cannot really change affects us is already good because there is maybe something that one can do um, on um, this on the company level and only if it's having confidence and having uh, a talk about it with colleagues that's also nice yeah And maybe we can leave listeners with one tip, which is to fight inflation. The best thing is maybe to to spend money earlier and to invest it in education. Uh, and the next DMBA is slowly <laughs> approaching. And if you are interested in DMBA and living in the US, DMBA just go 20% cheaper. So that's maybe another <laughs> uh, <laughs> benefit for some of the listeners. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> that the tuition just got 20% cheaper. So uh, the next one is starting, the next DMBA is starting in October. We're opening applications in August. And if you want to benefit from the euro dollar parity, and if you're living in the US or just um, earning your salary in dollars, uh, now may be a good time to think about it and with this great thought we leave you tonight today this morning uh, to simmer on it and we will um, talk to you again in a week or two weeks about free versus uh, expensive capital bye bye bye